Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. I'm addicted. Help me. How do I stop? How can I stop? Today, we're going to give you the answer for how to not live your life every day up and down and up and down. Surefire way that you have most likely never tried before to stop and get rid of your addiction. So I want to welcome you. My name is Linda Gunner. If this is your first time, I'd like to invite you, if you're on our YouTube channel, to be sure you subscribe and ask that little bell thing for notifications and be sure that you comment back and forth to us. We want to be able to communicate with you. If you're listening on one of our television networks or live stream, be sure that you reach out to us on our website, lovehimlovethem.org. And you can, of course, reach out to us there. Uh, We just briefly work in the country of Haiti and also in the United States. And our mission with Love Him, Love Them is to provide ways for you to love him and love them by serving widows and orphans. Now, today, if you stick with me, this is going to be a powerful show. And I can promise you that you are going to learn something in the next 30 minutes that you have never heard of before. Do you know that all addictive behaviors, all addictive behaviors, are traced back to low self-esteem and to low value. Did you know that? Every addictive cycle and every behavior that you see in people's lives is because they do not see the value of who they are. They don't see the value of who they were created to be. We are struggling to survive. People in addictive behaviors are trying to make their, their life, they're trying to fill their life with something that really and truly, there's only one thing that'll fill it. There's only one, only this truth. Because the truth I'm going to share with you today can fill every single addictive behavior. Everything. Some even think that there is a spirit of addiction. Do you know that? But it's a demonic spirit. They think that it is actually a demonic spirit, but it's actually a lack of identity. <coughs> Sorry about that. Addiction is really, it's really just not knowing the truth of who you are and not seeing the value that you have through Christ Jesus. Are you with me? Because I mean, if so, I want you to give me a comment below. I want you to say, yes, I get it. No, I don't. But you may be saying, yeah, I'm with you, but you don't know what I've done. (laughs) So, and you don't know where I've been. And you don't know how many times I've done what I've done, which is the addictive behavior, right? And, but what about, my question to you is, what about what he's done? And what about where he's been? And what about what he's saying? about you. Because at some point, sometime, we have to take off the old and put on the new. So let's talk about something that is really, really the opposite of living an addictive lifestyle. And that is one word. And that word is righteousness. Have you ever, have you ever heard the word righteousness? So there are two meanings of the word righteousness 
in the New Testament. And the New Testament is a book that's in the Bible. And predominantly, righteousness is the sense of standing in the right sight of God. Who gets that? Standing in the right sight of God. Who understands that Jesus paid a price? Just had this conversation with my kids this morning. And I I used my son, Fred, as an example with his little brother. I said, can you imagine if you sacrificed your brother's life to be able to give, and I was talking about Merlanda, her an abundant life. And then she said, oh, I don't care. I just want to kill myself because somebody said something bad to me yesterday, or I'm not going to have an abundant life. I'm choosing to be depressed. Can you imagine how that would feel? Can you imagine that? I mean, when Jesus Christ paid the price that he paid, do you understand that we come to God, the way we're able to do that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you get that? I mean, we get cleansed of all of our sins, and now we have access to God, and God has access to me. He comes into me, and now he can live inside of me. You talk, that is the very first supernatural act I mean, do you even realize what a supernatural act it is to be able to pray? You realize that the minute you start to pray, you have access into heaven? That is powerful. But we can, we can be one through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I get marked for what Jesus did. I get made right in the—not what I'm doing. It doesn't have anything to do with what I'm doing. But I get made right in the sight of God as if I never sinned, as if I never failed, or as if I never lived apart from God. I'm one with him. I'm telling you, if, if somebody had that on social media as a buy one, get one free deal, everybody would get it. Everybody would pay for that. And yet it's free. <laughs> it is free. And then faith is what keeps that all intact. All of that part that we just that we never failed, that we never lived. It's our faith that keeps that intact. Even though that place that is it's always there, it takes faith to keep that place intact and active. Because God always sees me that way. But I always have to believe that way. So the problem is everything against you is designed to get your believer off. You know, I firmly believe that people say all the time, yeah, I believe in God, but what if everyone who says they believe in God was really a believing believer? What if we really were believing it? Because our believer somehow or another gets off. And the one truth that makes you free and get yourself concerned, self-conscious, self-centered, self-focused, um, Marlanda was going to take uh, go skating with one of her friends a couple weeks ago, and the girl canceled because she said she just couldn't see herself walking into the skating rink because she knew everyone would be staring at her, and she was she was just too anxious to be able to do that. And that that's what happens is God sees us that way, but we have everything designed against us. So that we're so concerned, we're so self-conscious, we're so self-centered, we're so self-focused. It's me, myself, and I. Well, I don't, I don't feel well. Or how come? Or will that? Hurt? I mean, will that hurt? Or or that bothers me? Or I don't know how. Or well, what else can go wrong? 
anything else horrible going to happen? I don't know. I don't like how she said that. And all of a sudden, you're like just a product of how life is unfolding instead of the life that's on the inside of you because your eyes have shifted over onto you making it about you instead of you becoming what he paid for. Listen, that is huge because that's what happens. And that's what Satan wants. He wants it to be all about you. Do you know Luke 9.23 says, deny yourself, deny yourself. That Nobody hears about that anymore because it's not about that. It's about me. It's about what, what bothers me. It's about how I feel. It's about how somebody said something to me. It's about what else can go wrong. This is horrible. No, all of a sudden, then you turn into where your life is unfolding instead of living the abundant life. When it all is about you, instead of becoming what somebody else paid for for you. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? The righteousness of God that comes through Christ. Look at Romans chapter 3 real quick. Because the more you get this and then you read your Bible, there's probably no less than 50 places in the Word of God that we could go to talk about this. But off the top of my heart and mind, I'm just going to take you to Romans 3 because I want you to see this. You will also realize it's everywhere in the Word. But the more I see it's everywhere in the Word, the more I'm aware of and the more places I go and the more churches I'm at, the more I'm around people, the more I'm in circles, the more I'm around Christians, the more I hear how Christians talk. I had a conversation with one of my very good friends recently. He said, you know, it's just unbelievable, especially if something specific happens to you, you're more alerted to it about how Christians talk that has nothing to do with what the Word of God says. Nothing. And yet it's okay. It seems to be okay. But we we need to have an understanding of this. How Christians talk, there's not a strong understanding of this. We use it as an initial, I'm in righteousness, but it's not a truth. It's not a truth that we live by. So it's kind of like we use it as our ticket to get through the door, right? So in other words, God forgave me of my sins. I raised my hand. I'm at the altar. I've prayed. I pray. I've sinned. Forgive me. Boom. And that's it. And we call that the sinner's prayer. And then we say, okay, yeah, you're going to heaven. So messed up. I can't help but wonder how many people, oh my gosh, just a guy I talked to this past Sunday. He's in a hot mess. His body's in a hot mess. He's in a hot mess. His marriage is in a hot mess. Matter of fact, he he left his wife. His wife was cheating. And now he is living with someone else who's also married. He's still married to his wife. She and he's, and he's sitting there saying, I don't understand why God won't heal me. <laughs> it's like, dude, have you surrendered your life to the Lord? Because I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that. Well, I raised my hand. Really? And that's what somehow, I don't even see anywhere in the Bible where it tells us, as long as you raise your hand at a service where somebody's saying something, now you've surrendered your life to the Lord. Surrender to the Lord means I can't do it. You can raise your hands, but it's I can't do this anymore. I need help. I've been doing it my way. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. But the problem is then we got to know what his way is. God has a, a really great plan. It's very organized. He's uh, got it all lined up for us. 
tells us how to repent, tells us how how we're supposed to live our lives, but it's it's not by raising our hand. And, and and so let's just stop for a second because if you are one of those people that is struggling and wondering why you don't feel the power of God in your life and you think to yourself, well, when I was four, I raised my hand at a service. There, there's got to be a past and there's got to be a new. There's got to be an old. There's got to be a new. There has to be a change. No change, no Jesus. So don't be holding on to something that is not there. You can't have revival if you've never been, if, if you've never, you can't have uh, rededication if you've never dedicated your life to the Lord in the first place. So when you raise your hand, call a sinner's prayer, and then you go on to live your life and you grow and you do this and you do that. But slowly, if you're not careful, sometimes you never even make the shift to where you wake up in him where you wake up accepted, where you wake up forgiven, where you wake up loved, and where you wake up in him. Do you know why? Because the cross says, I know who you are. That Jesus died on that cross. (laughs) The cross says, I know who I created you to be. The cross says, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, I created you for a purpose, for a purpose in good pleasure. And I love you. And I see you apart from everything you've done, apart from everything you've ever done in your flesh. I see you. So you can live by the Spirit. And those who live by the Holy Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Boom. Galatians 5. That's what it says. So what is addiction? Addiction is the lust of the flesh. I want it. I'm going to get it no matter what. You can't stop me. And yet if we're living by the Spirit, we're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5. You know, this is so foundational and such the big deal. But we're, we just glaze over it. We just glaze over it. And even some of us that understand it, we glaze over it. Because if you get off of this foundation of righteousness, that's when you lose your identity. That's when you lose it. You, you can only really know who you are through Jesus because nothing was made that wasn't made through him. And so, if you were made for a purpose, unless you step into that purpose, you're never going to live what you're here for. Do you understand that? You were made for a purpose. But if you don't step into that purpose, you will never live what you're here for. Why are you here? I mean, really, what, what, are you, what are you here for? I met a lady this past Sunday, and she, she came uh, with a cane, and she couldn't walk, and she, um, her, she hadn't, hadn't been to church since her daughter died. Her daughter died seven months ago. Uh, she said she just felt she was in a Social Security office and went to the bathroom and fell dead. And so she came. She has done nothing for seven months. And I just asked her, I said, you know, what is your purpose? What are you here for? 
Have you ever thought about so many of us are living in our wounds instead of living in our scars where we're healed and we can say, this is what happened. What, long, long talk. And, and by the end, she realized, you know what? Maybe God's changed my purpose. Maybe my purpose is to show what it's like to be a widow, to show what it's like to lose a daughter, to show how you can get to the other side because you have a purpose. We need to step into our purpose. No matter how much you've missed it, God says, I made a way. I want you to see this. This is incredible. It's in Romans 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Listen to this. Do you realize that is what Paul was beaten for? I'm not ashamed to tell you there's a salvation that comes from God apart from the law. While while Paul is saying this, he's being beaten in the middle of it. You know what happens if you're not surrendered? If you're not surrendered and that happens to you, if you get beaten in the middle of it, do you know what happens? You turn from God. You stop preaching. You'll say, God, you aren't even watching my back. My husband just had this happen to him a couple of weeks ago with our dock when it was breaking off. He got so mad at God because he he prayed that the, something wasn't going to happen, and boom, it happened. And he, David says, "I just walked off and said, that's great, God. You're not even you're not even helping me. You're not even watching me." And that's what happens if you don't realize. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. And that's what Paul was beaten for, the law. You'll turn away from God and you'll say, God, you aren't even watching my back. You don't even have my rear guard. You know, I read a scripture somewhere in the Bible where it says, you're my rear guard. Tell me you're my rear guard. Because the way I see it, the way my back feels... I don't even think of, I don't see it. Here I am trying to do the right thing. Here I am trying to teach. Here I am trying to help others. Here I am trying to get souls saved and you don't even protect me. So you know what? I'm not doing it anymore. That's what we say. Forget it. And that is where most of us quit. That's where we give up. If things don't go the way we think we should go, we think they should go. If we've raised our hand at some point, you you've got to be you can't just raise your hand. That's why we have to be surrendered. We have to be surrendered to Christ. Surrendered is no matter what. I mean, when you throw your hands up on the front line, that's it. The war's over. The fight's done. You have to put on what he said. You 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 got to put on what he paid for. You got to get over here with him (laughs) and you got to die to everything you've been. So whatever it is that you're going to in place of him, you got to die to it. You got to surrender to it. You don't get just a little Jesus and that will do. That's not that's not the way it works. You don't just raise your hand, say, "Okay, I'm no, that is not how it works. It is a huge commitment. It is a huge surrender. You don't just bring him into your life a little bit. He becomes your life. He becomes your life. He is what you're hungry for. Because here is the truth. Trouble is coming. I can guarantee it. You know, James tells us, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds every day, all day. The time of trials are here. 
He warns us about that. He actually even says, you know that the testing of your faith is what produces perseverance. So where is the faith in that? We just said, if you're going to be, if you're quitting, your faith is not in God. Your faith is in when things go right. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. You know, things unfold in the process of time. And some things, some of us let time change the truth. But the, the, the fact of the matter is the truth didn't change. We try to replace righteousness, which here's another easy way. This is the way I always try to remember it. Righteousness means making the right choices, making the right decisions. And, and we have to make the right. It's easy to make the right choices when everything's going great, right? But making the right choices in the midst of trials with whatever our drug of choice is, we don't do that. We don't want to do what James says then. We, because whatever our, we, that's what they call it in prison ministry. What is your drug of choice? Is it meth? Is it food? I mean, which if you're not in prison if it's food. You can, you can have the drug of food all you want and kill yourself and, and, and perform gluttony and go out and you still don't go to jail. But if your drug of choice happens to be something that's illegal, that's when you end up in prison. But we don't want to do what James says. Our response for most of our addictions or whatever we've replaced God with, did you hear that? That's what our addictions are. What is your addiction? Whatever you're addicted to is technically an idol. I mean, it's not technically, it is an idol because you've replaced God with that addiction. And we just say, it's just been so long. You just don't know how long it's been going on. There's just such a lame excuse for the flesh to be the flesh. Because what did we say earlier? If we're walking in the spirit, we don't allow the flesh to be the flesh. What if God said to you, you just don't know how long I've been waiting for you. (laughs) You don't know. But is he going to say that? No, because he's amazing. He's not going to say that. But when we say you just don't know how how long I've been doing it, that is what he's that's that he has been waiting for you much longer than you've been doing what you've been doing. So go back to Romans. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. And it's been witnessed by the law of the prophets. Do you know the law was a tool just to show people their need? And it was actually supposed to expose your sin. So you know that if you're doing what the law, not doing what the law says, you're sinning. And to see our need for a savior and to reveal sin. Right? So that had to have been taken care of. Now we can't be living under that because we are supposed to reckon ourselves dead to sin. Actually, we're not even supposed to have a sin conscious according to Hebrews 10. Did you know that? We're supposed to die to sin and live for righteousness. In 1 Peter 2, he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. But we're just about to run out of time. So I want to take you to Hebrews 1, and it says, He loved righteousness more than anyone, and therefore God gave him the oil of gladness more than his companions. That's what we want. Everybody wants to be glad. Everybody wants to be happy. 
They think that what they're doing by living in their flesh is going to make them happy, but that's not what happens. That is a trick of Satan. That's one of his strategies and one of his schemes. Go this way, go this way, go this way. This is where the happiness is. But, you know, we talk about joy, the joy of our salvation, the joy unspeakable. The real joy for most of us would be to get rid of our addictions. That's what the real joy would be. And where does it come from? The Bible says it is from the righteous judgment of God. And you'll love righteousness more than anyone, and then you'll have that in your life. It says that his kingdom, he's given him a scepter of righteousness. It's a scepter of his kingdom. Do you understand that? This is We don't have kingdoms in, this, in today's world, so it's a little bit difficult to understand this. But in Hebrews 1, it means a ruling staff. That word scepter means a ruling staff. You're giving him your son a staff to rule called righteousness. What, what's a king to do with a scepter? What do they do when they knight people? In, it represents the kingdom. It represents everything the kingdom stands for. You're submitted to it. You've come under it. You're honoring the king and the kingdom. You kneel before him and he knights you and he touches you with his scepter. He's got that in his hand. Righteousness You come and you give your life to him and now you kneel before him and he dubs you with that. He says, right in my sight forever, your place is to stand up and believe, believe that and never, ever change your mind in the face of whatever's going on and wake up every day. Fred, you know, Fred told me this morning, he goes, yeah, but mommy, Linda, that's hard. It is hard. Is it hard? I don't know. If you're completely full of the spirit and you're walking in the spirit, I'm not so sure it is hard. I think it's hard to try to do it in the flesh. But whatever is going on, if you wake up every day, every day, accepted, every day, forgiven, every day, reckoned dead into sin, you're not going, you're not trying not to sin. You don't have to try not to. Because you're a diligent Christian. You've already put that identity away and you've put on Christ. You know, what we're talking about today almost feels foreign to most people, especially most people in our churches today, because we use righteousness as the ticket to get through the door of heaven, not as our identity. Our identity is to live every day. I mean, that's why people that's why people live up and down and up and down. And they let life move them more than the one that gives life. God, what is the verse that talks about to to we live by every move, every move I make, I'm making you. Jesus, every move we make. Righteousness is not just that one right choice of raising your hand in the feeling of the moment. Righteousness is to realize if you had any idea how much God loves you, you would never look anywhere else because you can't get that type of love anywhere else. You can't get that acceptance anywhere else. The drugs that you're taking to numb the feelings even the, the medicine for anxiety, for depression, it, 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 will, it will work for a small amount of time, but it can't work forever because when the problem is a spiritual problem, we can't medicate a spiritual problem. And so we've got to realize 
where our value comes from, where our worth comes from, how much the, the God in heaven who created us with our soul that he put inside of us, that he breathed into the nostrils of Adam. You need to understand today, your addiction is not worth it. Take this moment in time to raise your hands, but to raise them in surrender and to realize how valuable you are. If you knew how valuable you you were, you would not stain yourself, not through sin, not through any other way. He loves you. He loves you. And you are worth so much more. Once you realize that, your desire, your hunger will never be for what you're addicted to again. It will only be for you.